Welcome to the Emmanuel Church Podcast. Here at Emmanuel Church, we believe that God wants to meet us where we're at. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can listen to the message from our Sunday worship experience. We would love for you to stay connected with us by visiting our website at myemmanuelchurch.com or at any social media platform at My Emmanuel Church. We hope you enjoy this message. Thank you for joining us here today. Sorry about that. Having technical difficulties with my own mic. I always have problems with microphones. I am convinced that they hate me. I always drop them, run into them, lose power in the middle of a message, something. It's just the devil trying to keep me away from preaching the word. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us here online this Sunday for our uh, 1130 service. We are so glad that you are here today. I am Pastor Gabe, and along with my wife, Leginska, we have the honor of being able to pastor here at Emmanuel Church. And today... um, we, uh, we have been in the series called In Their Shoes, and this is week four of that series, and, how, and this is my closing of the series. I'm closing out this series today with this message, but we're going to have a bonus message of this series next week, and we'll be having a guest, a speaker, uh, a very good friend of mine. He's a good friend of mine. A minister, a preacher, a rapper. Uh, my, my good friend Julian Macias will be with us, aka known as Sirius. Will be joining us next week and bringing the word. And I'm excited for that. Uh, he he's always so full of energy and passion when he comes to speak. And I don't think he's going to rap for us uh, next Sunday. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think. Maybe we can convince him. We'll see. Uh, either. Uh, We'll we'll see, we'll see. But he is going to be joining us next week, so we are excited to have him here in the house next week here at Emmanuel Church. So today, the title of my message, though, that I am going to share with you today is going to be called, Through the Eyes of Jesus. Through the Eyes of Jesus. Now, um, you might not know it, and I, I always run into people, even though that I've known for a long time, and I've known them for years or whatever, they, I still run into people that do not realize that I wear contacts. I wear contacts, I wear glasses, uh, I have a pair of glasses that is like 10 years old and being held together by tape and super glue. Like, uh, I don't use them much just like and during the nighttime, but... My glasses and my contacts are my lifeline when it comes to seeing. I am technically able to say that I am legally blind. I learned about this. Like, I always used to say that a lot, but really, I, I, I researched it. I am technically legally blind. You know, 2020 vision is perfect vision, right? I don't know if you have 2020 vision at home. You are blessed. To, you don't know how blessed you are to wake up and just be able to see. You're like, I got to put my eyes on to be able to see. But 2020 vision, I learned, means that from the first 20 is uh, an average person's vision from 20 feet away. And so 2020 means from 20 feet away, you can see what's 20 feet away. But if it, the, the second number gets worse, that means you see it as if it's that far away. So if you have 2070 vision, that means you see something, you should see something from 20 feet away as it's 20 feet away, but you see it like it's 70 feet away. And so as your vision gets worse, 
that number, that, last, that second number changes. My number, I never knew this before, but what I discovered is because I know that one eye is a, ne- uh, uh, in my prescription it reads one eye is a negative nine and the other one's a negative eight and a half. So that means, what I researched through, that means I see at about a rate of 2,600. So that means what I should be able to see from 20 feet away actually looks like a 600 feet away for me. Without my contacts, without my glasses, everything beyond like two inches from my face is a blur. And as it gets farther away, it's even blurrier and it's just a blob of colors. Without my contacts, without my glasses, I cannot see anything. I can recognize voices. I'm pretty good at doing that. Uh, Because without my glasses, I'm basically blind. I can't recognize who you are. And so it's so important for me to be able to put my glasses and my contacts on because it corrects my vision. It corrects my vision. But more important than physical vision, because there are people that are in this world that get around like myself. I wear contacts and I get along just fine. There are people that have the ability, no ability to see at all and are completely blind and still can get around in this world thanks to things like Braille and seeing eye dogs and uh, other, other measures that help people with no vision get around in this world. But more importantly than that, more important than that in our world is spiritual sight. And many of us go through our lives blind spiritually and we don't even realize it. We might go to church, we might know, say we know Jesus, we might know God or, and do, go through the right motions and go to church and read our Bible and pray or do the Bible app. And we have a Bible app streak of like three, a year, like I lost mine at some point. But we have all the right things going for us, but we still might be living spiritually blind because we are not living our lives seeing through the eyes of Jesus. Now, I'm going to share a story today that is about spiritual blindness. And if it's found in John chapter 9. And I'm going to need you to go to your Bibles after service today and read the whole story. Because I am not going to stand here and read the whole thing because it's 41 verses long. And I'm not going to read the whole 41 verses. I'm just going to read you a couple of chunks of this passage. but And I will summarize the rest. So John chapter 9, starting in verse 1, I'm going to read 1 to 12. And then I'm going to read 35 to 41. I'm going to skip out the biggest chunk in the middle. And I'll explain it to you what's going on. So starting at verse 9. I'm sorry, not 9. 1. It says like this. And he went along and he saw a man blind from birth. That is Jesus. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am, in the, light, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go wash 
to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is that man? They asked. I don't know, he said. So I'm going to stop right there for a second. And so Jesus comes across this man. The disciples see him, and he says, I'm going to heal this man. I've decided to heal this man along my journey. He was born blind, and the disciples asked him a question. Who sinned? And this, this is key. This is one of the perspectives that we find in this story. They said, who sinned? This man? Or, I mean, that's the, that's, that even sounds like a ridiculous question. He was born blind, so did he sin that he was born blind? How is that even possible? But they asked the question, who sinned? His parents or him that he was born blind? This is one of the perspectives we find in the, that they're seeing something that Jesus isn't seeing in this story. Jesus sees this man differently than the disciples do. And so do other people. They, they, they see him after he's healed, and they don't even recognize him. They look at him and it's like, man, nah, nah, that's not the same guy. He, looks, he, he just looks like him. He's different. It must be his doppelganger or something because he can see. Clearly, he can see. The other guy was always stumbling around or we had to help him, you know. But this guy, he can see. It's not him. And then they take this man in the next verses. They take this man to the Pharisees. And they said, this guy says he was a beggar, and they said he he was born blind, and now he can't see. And so he goes to the Pharisees, and they're like, who did this? He's like, well, it's a man named Jesus. He opened my eyes. And it's like, nah, this Jesus guy, he must be a sinner. Because this is the Sabbath day. It's a holy day. We ain't supposed to do no work. And by their definition, the fact that Jesus made some mud with his spit, that was work. And so to them, Jesus was a sinner. They looked at him and they said, man, no, he can't be a holy man. He can't be a prophet because the man was calling him a prophet. They, they didn't believe that this miracle had happened. They thought he was lying. So they even brought the man's parents. And they're like, is this your son? Is this your kid? He's claiming something. You got you to come claim him. Because he's over here telling us that he was born blind, but clearly he can see. So that's a lie. And they're like, he's our son. And he was born blind, but clearly he can see. So why don't you t- ask him? They were throwing him under the bus. They were like, just deal with him. We don't want to, you know, I don't know what's going on. We, we, we knew he was born blind. And so the, deci- the Pharisees got so upset because this man basically talked back to them and proved that he was right. He's like, you're over here obsessing over, over the, the tradition of the Sabbath. But yet... If he was not from God, he couldn't do this. They got so upset that they kicked him out of the synagogue. And basically, they kicked him out of the community of the synagogue. They said, this is your warning. You can't come back here for 30 days because we, 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 you're, just, you're just spitting blasphemy. You're just spitting nonsense. And so we pick up the story again in verse 35. And it says this, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when they found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. That tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him in fact. He is the one speaking to you. The man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgments I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, You would not be guilty of sin. But now you claim you see your guilt remains. So the topic I want to to talk about today is perspective. The perspective of our blindness, the perspective of the ability to see or to not see. What is perspective? You know, perspective is the way we see the world around us. It's how 
we interact with the world. It's how we interact with people. It's how, you know, how we, how we see and interact with the world around us. How we view the place that we live in, the country we live in, the world we live in. That is perspective. And perspective is defined by some different things in our lives. Uh, perspective can be defined by our parents, what our parents taught us. Uh, you know, I ain't going to say no names or anything, but sometimes I, would, I was as a youth pastor. I grew up, uh, not I grew up. For the years that I was a youth pastor, I, I heard oftentimes students come to me and tell me things that their parents had taught them about the Bible. And I'm like, you know, I feel like I should interject and say something because that's just not right. <laughs> but, but I don't know if I should. And so many students and par- parents have told me things and I'm like, I don't know where you got this from. Like, that's not even in the Bible. But our parents often influence the way we see the world and our perspective around us. They're the ones who often are our first teachers. They teach us right from wrong or what to do and not to do, that we should not stick metal things into an electrical socket, you know, things like that. They tell, help us to see the world around us. Uh, trauma defines our perspective in the world. If we've experienced trauma or have had traumatic events in our lives, accidents, abuse, uh, all kinds of things that happen to us, we see the world in a different light. It's a, it's a darker place oftentimes for, uh, for those of us who live with trauma in our lives. Our beliefs influence our perspective in the world. Political beliefs, religious beliefs, uh, things like that. Those kind of beliefs shape how we see the world and how we see people. From one side of the spectrum, we can see we, would see, we can see someone as lazy, but from the other side, we can see them completely differently. You know, and these things influence how we see people. Our culture influences how we see people. You know, uh, uh, as a Latino, I, I ha- we have a culture of big family events. And to other people, that's weird. Like, some people, they just don't do that. Like, I know there are some cultures that are the same as us. Like, a lot of Asian cultures, they, they have a, they're big on family. And Latino families, they're big on family. But there are other cultures in the world where family is not that important. You 18, you out of my house. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, that's the way some of the world works. And so our culture definitely influences how we see the world around us and how we interact with it. And so I talk about perspective because there are two perspectives in this story that I want to highlight. First off, we have the religious perspective. And this comes from two places in the story. The first place it comes from is the disciples. The disciples had a religious perspective when they were seeing this man. They looked at him. They saw him begging. Clearly, they knew who he was. They they must have encountered him several times throughout their lives. They're like, oh, yeah, that's that guy. He's been born blind. He's always here. He's always begging. You know, we know who he is. His whole life, he's been here uh, seeking handouts. So they're like, well, this is an opportunity. Let's have a theological discussion, Jesus. Let's talk about the theology of sin here. Who sinned? Did this man sin? I always thought that was a weird question, but I learned that the reason why is because there were a few different beliefs prevalent in the day that they said that they believed that a child could sin in the womb. I don't know how that's possible. Uh, they believe that uh, some, some of the Jews believed, in, uh, the Jewish people believed in reincarnation. Uh, so they thought that maybe in a previous life he sinned. So when he was born into this life, he was born blind. Um, or, 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 or other reasons or various theological reasons that they had for thinking that, well, maybe this man sinned and he was born blind. 
Or maybe it was his parents. Maybe his parents did something. Oh, you know what? Maybe he was born before they got married, and this was a scandalous kind of birth, and this is why this man was born blind. They did something, and they ruined him for the rest of his life. And so that's what they were focused on. They're like, Jesus, let's, let's, let's have this conversation here. Let, let's do something. And so they were focused on the issue of sin. They were focused on the issue of sin. And a lot of times, while addressing sin as a, as a believer, as a pastor, I have to say addressing sin is an important issue. But we get caught up so much in it that we miss opportunities. We say love the sinner and hate the sin, and we miss the point. We miss the point. Because Jesus never called us to hate the sin. He just called us to love people. He said, love your neighbor as yourself and then beat them down because of the sin that they have in their lives. No, he just said, love your neighbor. That's it. There's, there's no extensions to that or anything. He just says love, but we miss it. We get caught up in trying to deal with someone's sin, someone's issues, someone's struggles, someone's difficulties in life that we do nothing while they sit there suffering. This is one religious perspective. The other religious perspective in the story was tradition. The Pharisees were outraged that Jesus would do work on the Sabbath. You know, I try to take uh, uh, Mondays, I've mentioned before, oftentimes the day that I try to take my day off, people sometimes text me about ministry stuff, church stuff, other things, and I don't ignore them. I see the text message, so, you know, I apologize if you think I'm ignoring you. But I see you, but I'm taking a break. And I, I end up sometimes having to do some stuff, even if I don't want to, just because there's things that need to be addressed immediately or issues that come up or people that are seeking out help and that I can't help but do it. And so I do because it would be wrong for me not to do good if someone is in need, even if it's my day off. But the Pharisees, however, they looked at this and they said, no, nah, you can't even do good on the Sabbath because if it's work, then it's wrong. If it's work, then it's sin. Because they took it so much to the point where every little thing, like I even read one time that there were, there were certain lines of, of thought that told you that you could not even move a chair in your own house on the Sabbath because that was considered um, planting. Because they had like dirt floors back, the, back in those days. And so if you moved a chair across the ground, you were like tilling the soil so you put seeds, so that was work. And they were so strict on this that they looked at Jesus and said, he could not possibly be a man of God because he's not respecting our traditions. He's trying to prove us wrong by doing good in this world, but we are the right ones here. Our tradition is the right thing. We are the right thing. Religion, so because Jesus didn't meet their qualifications, that means that they also ignored the miracle. They tried to prove this man a liar. They tried to bring witnesses in and prove that he wasn't telling the truth, that he was just making things up for attention. How many people say things like that all the time? They're just trying to make something up for attention. And, and so because of that, we, we see that religion always puts qualifiers on people. It requires you to do or it requires you to think and talk. And it doesn't really require you to, to, to do anything. It, it tells you that you have to be in the right mindset or the right side of things in order to be recognized. So this is religious perspective that we see here. 
And this is this, a lot of Christians fall into this trap of being in this religious perspective. Well, you know, there are a lot of people that would argue with Seventh Day Adventists. Well, because you don't meet on Sunday, you know, you're you're not a real Christian. Or Seventh Day Adventists will argue the opposite to the people that meet on Sunday and stuff like that. And we're arguing about petty things that don't really even matter in the long run. We're being so focused on religion that we're missing. The opportunities. We're missing the perspective that Jesus is trying to get us to see. And that's the second perspective here. Jesus' perspective. See, the disciples came to him and said, let's have a theological discussion. And he said, Jesus said, nah, I think I want to heal him. I think I want to do something here. I, I see a man that is suffering and in need. So I want to do something about it. He doesn't wrestle with the theological questions or traditions or anything of that. He just moves to make a difference. That was Jesus. Because he didn't see people as problems to be solved. He didn't see people uh, as, as in need of control, in need of rules and regulations to make them holy and right. He said, I can do something here. I can make a difference. I can bring light into this man world. He doesn't put qualifiers on people. He doesn't, he doesn't look at your sin and say, you're in need of judgment. He looks at our sin and said, you're in need of help. You're in need of help. So why do we need to change our perspective? Why do we need to see through Jesus' eyes? There are two key things. Two key reasons why we need to do the best we can to see through Jesus' eyes. First, because if we don't, we miss opportunities to see God at work in the lives of others. We miss opportunities to see God at work in the lives of others. See, the Pharisees were like, this was them, hands down. They were so concerned about the traditions and being right that they called the miracle a fake. Because they didn't want someone else to be right. Yet, If they had realized that this miracle was real, if they had realized what was really happening, if they had ignored their traditions for a moment, they would have realized that the Savior had come, that the Messiah had come. Because their scriptures told them that the Messiah was going to be the only one who could open the eyes of those who were born blind. Yet they were so blinded by their own need to be in the right of things, to be in power, to be in control of a situation, that they missed the Savior. They missed Jesus. They missed the one that they were looking for this whole time. They missed the miracle. They, they were trying to justify it and uh, prove it and press it. They were like, man, this, we, we just got to figure things out because it's a Sabbath day and we got to figure, figure this out. How did this happen? Who is this person? You know, is he a prophet? Is he a sinner? What is going on here? And so they missed it. And we do the same thing. We are going to be, if we are so occupied with how people dress, how people talk, where they go, what they do. If we're so much more occupied with those things, we will miss opportunities that God is trying to work in their lives. We will miss the change that he is trying to bring to them through sources that sometimes we might deem weird or out of the ordinary. That's not what God wants to do, yet God is exactly trying to do that. He's trying to break the norms. He's trying to break the norms. Second thing, we miss opportunities for us to be involved In God's work. See the disciples had an opportunity to be involved in what Jesus was doing. They had an opportunity to say. You know what. This man. 
Jesus, he's, he's blind. He, I, I, we always see him. Don't you think that we could do something for him? You know, don't we have some money or something that we can give him? Don't we have some way that we can help this man? Jesus, can't we like pray for him or something? They had that opportunity. But instead, they're like, let's talk about this. Let's discuss. What is the theological significance here? God, what, 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 what can we get from this today? You know, and we might think, well, I don't do that. Yeah, but we've become, we've, we've clearly, we clearly live in a culture right now, a Christian culture that is so, that has become so obsessed with meeting together in a church building that we've lost sight of what it really means to be the church. We've become so focused on going to church or, or being in a service and worshiping and doing the things that we're so used to that we miss the point of being the church. We are not the church when we're focused on the traditions and the way we always do things or just discussing and feeling good about ourselves because we check the list, the check the box off our list. We went to church today. I read my Bible today. I prayed today. Instead, during this time, I surely believe that God is shaking the foundations of how we do church. And we now have an opportunity to go out and be the church instead of whining about not being able to meet in a building. Because I see a lot of people doing that. And you know what? I, I, I understand the important significance. I'm not trying to downplay it. I love meeting in church. And in fact, I miss it very much. Meeting, the, having the rest of our people here. Being able to see people and talk with them and enjoy conversation. I, I get it. I get that it's important. But we cannot become so focused on that that it becomes an idol to us. That we miss what Jesus is trying to get us to do and see in the world today. Right now, we have opportunities to serve people in ways that we've never served before. Right now, there are opportunities to reach out to people in ways that we've never had a chance to before because we ha- we're, we're not doing normal things. God is calling us to not be in the building anymore. It's like, man, you, you have it now. You, you can go out and be Jesus to the world. You can be Jesus at Walmart, at Target, at Sellers, at wherever you shop. I don't know. <laughs> Target's too rich for me. I go to Walmart. <laughs> but we have the opportunity to do that. And we cannot miss it. If we are so blind to our perspectives, we miss the opportunity to see the needs that are in front of us. And as I get ready to close this, this morning, this afternoon, I want, us, I want you to know why it's so important. Because it changes what we see. It changes this world from a dark place to a world where there is opportunity for hope and change. It changes how we see people. It changes how we see the church. It changes how we see anything. Instead of seeing a bum on the streets, we will see someone suffering from homelessness and in need of clothes, of food, and a home. We won't see the scared or quiet person and be like, why are they like that? Instead, we'll see someone that is suffering through trauma and is just afraid to even be near people. We won't see someone full of sin, someone that is in need of correction, but instead we will see someone that is in need of a savior, a loving and hopeful hand to reach out to a shoulder to cry on we won't be blind anymore when we 
see through Jesus' eyes, we will be able to see the world in truth. Because yes, this world is full of darkness. This world is full of broken people. We're all broken people. This world is full of so many dark, awful things. But when Jesus looks at us, he doesn't just see that. He sees his children in need of love, of hope, of light, of truth. He sees his children in need of a savior, which he is for us today. So let's see through Jesus's eyes today. Not just today, every day. Let's see through his eyes because If we stay stuck in our tradition, in our religion, in our culture, if we stay trapped in these perspectives, we're never going to see everything that Jesus sees around us. We're just going to be, we're just going to see the darkness instead of the light. I think that's the greatest part of the, the message that Jesus shared in the story he says I'm here I'm the light I'm illuminating the darkness and that's exactly what he has called us to do today but we won't be able to see the light without Jesus so I'm going to pray for you today if you are in need of this if you want someone to see you today Jesus sees you he sees you in your need and your suffering and your hurt and your brokenness and your lostness and your depression and, and your loneliness he sees you today and he's reaching out to you so i want to pray for you if you want to know this jesus who sees you who sees you i want to pray for you today and then i want to pray for the church that we might be able to see through the eyes of jesus all those who are in need of him so if you need jesus today i just want you to close your eyes for a second I want to pray I want to pray a prayer and I want you to say it with me you might be alone it might feel weird it's okay Jesus wants to meet you too so pray this prayer with me Jesus I need to be seen because I am going through a tough time and I don't know if I can make it through but if you see me I need you right now I need you to take my struggle, my sin, my my difficulty, this hardship, this hurt, this brokenness. I need you to take it from me today and give me something new. So here's my life. I give it to you. And if you pray that prayer right now, I want to pray for you. Because I believe right now the truth is if you prayed that you are now a new creation. The Bible tells us that anyone who seeks after Jesus, who calls out on his name is now made new and is given a second chance at life. And you are part of this family now. And so I pray in the name of Jesus that you would feel the love of Jesus wherever you're at. That you would feel the love of this family that is here praying for you. Oh, as we are here online, we are praying for you. We are reaching out to you to know that you are not alone today. That you are, are now part of a family that is standing beside you, that is here to pick you up when you fall, that is here to help you, to, to 
to help you see Jesus above all else and to help you walk in this new life today. We pray blessings over you and that you would know now that there is a new chance at life today. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of us who are Christians and we just have a hard time seeing it, I want us to be able to pray. Let's ask God for clarity. Let's ask God to be able to see through his eyes. Jesus, help us to see through your eyes today. We want to be able to see the world through you, not just through our prejudices and our culture and our perspectives and what we've been taught or what we've internalized inside of us, but instead to see people as you see them, children to be loved, people to be loved, uh, people that are in need of healing and help and brokenness, light and hope. Help us to be the church that sees it, but not just sees it, God, but to reach out and meet the needs, to be the hands and feet of you, Lord, to reach out to a world that is in need of brokenness. We don't always get it right. And sometimes we get stuck on our ways and stuck in our traditions and stuck in our religion. But help us to break down that stubbornness, to be humble before you and be ready to reach out to those who are in need today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message today. And we would love to hear the story about how God is using this ministry to change your life. You can share it with us at myemmanuelchurch.com slash mystory. And if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can give online at myemmanuelchurch.com slash give. And if you're in the Houston area, we would love to see you on Sundays at 11.30 a.m. Have a blessed week.